Ephesians chapter number 6, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. Glory to God. What a mighty God we serve. I am super excited about this opportunity to be here today. Look at what the text says. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in what? In his mighty power. Let's go to, the, if you will, let's go to the King James Version. I love the way the KJV reads in this passage right here. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10 from the KJV. Glory to God. The text says this, finally, my brother. Everybody say finally. finally. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of what? His might. text says this in that verse, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes or the tricks or the strategy of the devil or the battle plan of the devil. Text says this next verse. Let's go. For we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now stop. Many times when we were coming up, people read that spiritual wickedness in high places. They said, well, there's evil folks up in high places in corporate American politics. No, high places is talking about the heavenly realm. And as I told you on last week, it is crucially important for each one of us to grasp the concept that because we are born again believers, the moment we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, we were entered into a battle of epic proportions. Can I get a witness? We will enter into a battle of epic proportions. And the thing that I want you to understand and know that God is there with us in that very, pl- uh, very battle that we've been engaged in. Look at the next verse. Let's go. It says this. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be in the evil day and haven't done all to stand. Next verse. Let's go. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He says, above all, take in the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Text says this, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. Next verse, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. All right. So we're talking about armed for battle. I want you to go back to that 10th verse right quick. And I want to key in on that word strong. Okay, the word, the Greek word for strong in verse 10 here of this sixth chapter is a word that's called indunamio. Everybody say indunamio. Oh, y'all got to do better. We get a little Greek lesson. They say indunamio. Uh, Say it like you let it roll off your tongue like you're speaking French. Indunamio. Gotcha. Y'all, y'all don't point with me. That, that, that word indunamio, which is composed, it's a compound of, of the words in and dunamis. The, the in means in. Everybody say in. The word dunamis means explosive power that is being deposited into some type of container, vessel, or some form of receptacle. All right. The very nature of this word, guys, in dunamio means that there necessarily must be some type of receiver for this power to be deposited into in dunamio. OK, it is explosive power that's being deposited into some type of container. So it's, if, if it's got to be deposited into some type of container, that's where you and I come into play. This is where we come into the picture, guys. We are specially designed by God to be the receptacles of divine power. Everybody say divine power. Now, see, the enemy has tricked a lot of us as believers into thinking that we're less than, that we don't have the capacity, the strength, or the capability to do spiritual warfare. I want to put everybody on notice here today that as a born-again believer, you have the very nature of God on the inside of you. Look at the neighbor and say, neighbor, you got it. The Bible even says in one part, it says we are partakers of divine nature. Now, we miss that because most of us begin to think of our Christianity and our walk with the Lord as something that, that's so hard that we just can't make it. I'm tired and, and, and all these things that go, happen against us. But I want you to recognize and know that you have the capacity to receive divine power. 
As a matter of fact, God wants to strengthen you for the battle ahead. Everybody say arm for battle. God is the giver. Okay, he's the giver and we are the receptacles into which this power is to be deposited. When Paul tells us to be strong in the Lord, he is in effect saying receive a supernatural strengthening inner deposit of power into your inner man. Now, I need to I need to see the hands of all those who live a minute or two who can tell me when you look back over your life, you needed some divine power. How many of y'all had situations and circumstances that have occurred in your living, in your day-to-day goings about that you said, God, I don't know. I just don't have the strength to do this. Maybe I'm the only one up in here. There, there are some things that will happen in your existence because, because we live in a fallen world. The Bible says it rains on the just as well as the unjust. You can live right. You can do everything right. But but because we live in a fallen world and we have an enemy who's coming after us, we're going to face some stuff. See, I I think some of us got confused when people told us when you come to Jesus, everything will be all right. Everything will be all right. Eventually. Because one day we're going to leave this earth. Jesus is going to crack the sky. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's going to happen. So we know we have a, a, a glorious future ahead of us. Because I know the end, I can shout now. I don't have to wait till the battle is over. I can shout now, Brenda. Because I know in the end, we're going to win. But in the meantime, I got to get armed for battle. I got to... I got to gear my mind up to engage in spiritual warfare because the average Christian is ill prepared for spiritual warfare. As a matter of fact, the average Christian don't even really believe in demons. But there are some demons in the unseen realm. Some of y'all have lived with some. I mean, not maybe they were influencing that person. All right. Some of you, some of y'all encounter demonic forces in your place of employment. That's why I told you we got to we got to be geared up to work as unto the Lord. So in all of this stuff that happens in our life, we got to make sure that we get ourselves armed for battle. Paul knew that you and I would desperately need supernatural power in order to successfully combat, combat the attacks of the enemy that he's going to bring against us. And that's why he urges us to open our spirits, our souls and our bodies to God so we can receive this supernatural strength. God wants you and me. Everybody say me. Me. God wants you and me to have this supernatural strength and ability. We are the special receptacles. Amen. We are the special containers that he created to possess this awesome power. Now, think about it. God specially made you. Everybody say me. God specially made us to be the containers for the power of God. So now we get into this arm for battle here in this sixth chapter. He says, uh, uh, if, we, if we go back to uh, Ephesians chapter number six, let's skip down to, so, uh, to verse, number, verse number 12. Verse number 12. And we'll, it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers against the rules of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places again we're fighting against flesh and blood we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen realm so we got to we got to begin to change our mindset as it relates to how we do this christian walk because if i don't understand that there is a battle going on in the heavenlies i'm going to look at life from what i can see in the natural are you with me? And the natural is real, but the but the spiritual and the unseen realm is just as real as the natural. And if you don't grasp that, if you don't understand that, you'll never be able to to embrace and walk in the divine power that God has given all of us the capacity to walk in. Can I show you something that happened? I, this is one of my favorite passages to go to. If you will, let's flip just real briefly and then we're going to get into these uh, weapons of our warfare. OK. Uh, if you will, go with me to the book of Daniel, chapter number 10. Daniel, chapter 10. Uh, 
And let's take a look at verse number two, Daniel chapter number 10. And uh, we will start our reading at verse number two. I, I want to, this, this, this gives us a glimpse, one of the few places in scripture where I see the Bible pull back the curtain and allows us to see what happens in the spirit realm. Because many Christians don't, don't, many Christians don't have a, a deep enough appreciation for what's happening in the unseen realm. And we got to get to there to know that we have the power to affect some of these things. Watch this. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for what? Three whole weeks. He, he saw a vision, okay? Let's keep reading. Y'all not reading. See, 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 listen, listen. See, part of this church experience is, is that I'm trying to get you to understand that reading the word out loud produces something on the inside and enables us to walk in faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it, all throughout scripture, you see Jesus speaking. You see the, Paul, though, speaking the word. And so sometimes when we come to church, y'all want me to do all the reading, but y'all won't work today. Don't get upset with me. I, but but, but, but I, what I am saying is very important. Death and life is in the power of tongue and they that love it eat the fruit thereof. And so we need to hear the word being spoken. Words are like spiritual containers. If you don't believe me, ask the person who's been who still got a wound from childhood when their daddy told them you weren't going to be nothing. And, and you still battling that 30, 40 years later when your mama told you and that you weren't going to be this and she cussed you out and, and did all these, these mundane things and now you are, you are a fragile adult because of the words that were spoken to you. But think about that child in that inner city school who had a, a principal and a teacher who says, listen, you're in this environment, but the environment don't have to be in you. You got something you can achieve, you can accomplish, you can make a 30 on the ACT, you can go to Harvard if you want to. Those words will produce faith in that child. So don't tell me words are not in We got to speak the word. All right, so y'all with me now? All right, let's read. All that time, I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. Text says, on April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen, calling with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Text says this, only I, Daniel, saw this what? All right. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified Y'all think y'all want to see angels. You just think you do. Every time in scripture where I see man encountering an angelic being, they cowered in fear. They ran away. Watch this. Next verse. Let's read. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak. And when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted. And lay there with my face to the ground. Daniel just fell out. Now watch this next verse. Let's go. Come on. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling, to my hands and, and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. Glory be to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up what? This dude was still shaking, y'all. All right, watch this. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you begin to pray. Now watch this. Daniel had a vision. He didn't quite understand what the vision was. But the moment he prayed and asked for understanding, this angel will say, from the moment you pray, I, you were heard in heaven in the unseen realm. And I started coming for those words. I'm coming to give you revelation knowledge. Now watch this. It's the first day you begin to pray for understanding. Y'all ready? Let's go. And to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. Watch this. But for 20, now here, here is a glimpse 
of what happens in the spirit realm, the realm that you and I in our natural sense can't see. But it is just as real as I'm looking at you right now. How many of y'all know that you can't see those waves that carry the radio, radio signals uh, across the air range? You, you, they're coming through here right now, but you can't see them. But the evidence of them are if you have the right tune on the dial of the radio, you can tune in to 980 KOK or, or whatever station you want to tune to and hear a man was traveling over those frequencies. But you can't see it, but it's real. Watch this. But for 21 days, y'all ready? Let's read. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Here's an angel coming to give Daniel the answer to his prayer, which was to see what was going to happen to his people. But guess what happened? He got blocked on the way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time what yet to come. Now, I'm going to stop there, but read the rest of that chapter. But you see what happened here. The answer was on the way, but demonic spiritual warfare was going on in the heavenly realms. The angel is coming to give Daniel the answer, but he got held up by a strong demon. So he had to call for some help. He called for the archangel. There's ranks of demonic spirits and there are ranks of angelic beings. And the archangel, Michael, came and said, I'll take care of this. You go on and give the answer to the man of God. I'll take care of it. So that is happening in the spirit realm. But many Christians are oblivious to it because we hadn't been taught and we hadn't studied our word. Everybody say armed for battle. Armed for battle. Say armed for battle. Now, let's get back, get back to our text in Ephesians. I just want to share that with you. Go back to Ephesians with me right quick. Paul, oftentimes in his letters to the various churches, would use the military to illustrate the believer's conflict with Satan. And he would use that quite often. He, as, as a matter of fact, he himself as he writes these prison epistles, he was chained to a Roman soldiers uh, at the time that he wrote a lot of this. Okay, And his readers were certainly familiar with soldiers and the equipment that they used. We put that picture up last week and I showed you how he was dressed. If you, if you got it, Jay, pop it up for me just for a second. It says, in fact, military were one of Paul's favorite ways to demonstrate gospel truths. It's important for us to realize, no, that that what God would do and what God's men would do is they wrote the scripture. They would give you something that you were familiar with to help you understand the thing that you're not familiar with. Can I get a witness? Jesus was oftentimes used parables. He was talking about different things. He talked about farming, right? Because there was, they were in an agrar- agrarian culture. Farming was a big thing right now. Nowadays, we don't do, see as much farming in this area. We got farmers because we, we got to eat food, right? But how many of y'all Farm your own food. Anybody? I know I got Jerry here. Jerry's always bringing me some greens, some, some fish. As a matter of fact, I have some white perch in the freezer right now. Oh, it's, do y'all know what white perch is? I have some white perch in the freezer right now that we're going to cook at some point in time, all right? All right. But but most of us go to Brookshire's. Most of us go to Walmart. Most of us go to Target or wherever we go to buy our foods. We're not farming. But the, a lot of the people at this day and age, they had markets there, but a lot of people still uh, grew their own food, right? So, so Jesus would use those things that they were familiar with to open the minds of their understanding to areas that they were not familiar with, right? And so when, you, when you're witnessing and talking to someone, you need to make sure you try to meet people exactly where they are. Some of us try to talk way up here uh, and, and we lose people. And we need, to, we need to allow simplicity to take place in our, in our witnessing of the gospel message. So, so, so Paul, one of his favorite things to use was the example of military uh, men to, to, to give uh, us an illustration of the things that are available to us 
in crisis. In fact, military illustrations was Paul's, one of Paul's favorite ways to demonstrate gospel truths. It said, 2 Corinthians 4, you don't have to turn down, I'm going to read it for you. 2 Corinthians the 10th chapter, verse 4 through 6 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. 1 Timothy 6 and 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Everybody say fight. fight. Let me tell you something right now. We got to be on for battle and you got to learn how to fight. As your pastor, I'm going to help you to learn how to fight. Now to me, a good fight is one where I win. How many of y'all ever been in a fight and you lost and said, man, that was a good fight? Now, again, I'm not advocating that you go around fighting, but if you're in a fight, you want to try to win, right? He says in 1 Timothy 6 and 12, fight the good fight of faith. See, the fight of faith, when you learn how to do it and engage in warfare, it will produce victory every time. Can I get a witness? So fight the good fight of faith. In 2 Timothy 2 and 3 says, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness? And 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 7 is one of my favorite ones. And I'm sure we'll read this as we celebrate my mother-in-law's home going uh, on this coming Saturday. 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 7 says, for I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul would utilize these examples to bring us understanding. Are y'all with me? So, so, so to give you, so, 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 so he, he uses this example to, to, to these recipients of this letter would be familiar with Roman soldiers and, they get, and the gear that they had. So he gets into this, this weapon. Let's look at it right quick. Go back to the fourth chapter, 14th verse of the sixth chapter. Are y'all still with me? Everybody say armed, armed. For, battle. for battle. Say it again. Say armed, armed. for battle. Yeah. Listen, as I, as I shared with you before, when I played football, losing a tech, there was certain gear that we had to put on. You, you don't want to go out on the football field with no shoulder pads. Now, I know quarterbacks want small shoulder pads so it doesn't impede their throwing motion, but they still have to have pads on. You don't want to go out on the football field without a helmet on and they're playing tackle. Your head will get busted wide open. You don't want to go out there on the football field without cleats. You cannot play football effectively with tennis shoes on. You will slide all the way across the grass. So you want to have the proper gear when you engage in any Warfare, and when you engage in any co- competitive activity, can I get a witness today? So let's look at it right here. Okay, so it says, "Stand therefore, having your learn- loins girded about with what? Truth." So the first thing we look at is the girdle of truth. Everybody say the girdle of truth. In Paul's day, both men and women normally wore long, loose garments that came down at least to their knees. All right, and be- and before getting involved. With any strenuous activity, the first thing they had to do was to gather up those loose garments and tuck them inside their girdle. Y'all with me? Any of y'all ever used to race as kids and you got ready to race and you maybe kick your shoes off and then roll your pants leg up? Because you didn't want anything. Am I the only one that's from the country? Let me see the hands of all y'all. When you got ready to race, you kick your shoes off, roll your pants leg up, and let's get ready to go. Right? So, 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 so he says, <laughs> the girl of truth, uh, whenever they got ready to, to go and engage them in this strenuous activity, the first thing they had to do was to gather up those loose garments and tuck them into their girdles. That's why we see several times in the scripture the phrase, gird up your loins. Ever say, gird up your loins. That, that terminology was familiar to them because they knew that when it was time to go do something, they would have to run or do something strenuous. They would gird it up. They would take that garment, tuck it inside that girl and get ready to move. OK, we, listen, using the girdle of truth requires us to put away every form of dishonesty or compromise. Everybody say every form. 
of dishonesty or compromise. If we don't tuck them up and out of our way, they will hinder our spiritual progress. I've shared this before and I keep saying it again. It, it, it is unconscionable to me. It, it boggles my mind. It, it, it just blows me away at the lack of honesty and the lying that is pervasive in this culture that we call America today. And it starts with leadership. See, leadership is important. Let me tell you something. You can have a good leader or a bad leader. A bad leader still leads. Anybody worked in a prison or been in prison know that there's a, there's a hierarchy even in prison. There's leadership in prison. All right? And so you, you can lead a gang or you can lead a, a group of missionaries. But you can lead, amen, and people will follow. But it, 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 it amazes me how we will accept that which is not true and embrace it as truth. Listen, I'm, the church, I am not talking about the world. I'm talking about Christians. Christians, God will hold us accountable when we won't stand for truth. Let me say it again. He will hold us, the church, accountable. And the, re, the sad reality is you got a lot of our uh, of Christians, churches who've embraced falsehood. And have not challenged the untruth. God is going to deal with his church. I'm not even, I'm not worried about the world because God didn't call me to preach to the world. He called me to preach to you. Now we ought to share with the world the gospel message to get them saved. But, but as it relates to their living, how the world is living, why am I going to be so concerned about what the unsaved are doing? Unsaved people are doing what unsaved people do. They sin. We spend all our time trying to make a law to make an unsaved person live right. And that's why Jesus had to come. The law couldn't even make you live right. Now, listen, I'm not saying that we should not be involved, but who do you have your trust in? That's the question I got to ask you. So so depends on who's in office. It's going to determine whether or not your disposition is right. If my guy wins, I'm happy. If your guy wins, I'm miserable and depressed. Baby, I don't care who wins. I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, I'm going to have the joy of the Lord on the inside of me no matter who's in office. So quit letting all this mundane lying spirit permeate your heart and mind to the point where it's got you over there all depressed and, and, and worried. No, I'm not worried because the God that I serve is more than capable of seeing me through. That's my little rant for this morning, okay? So we got to make sure that we stand on truth. The girl of truth. Everybody say the girl of truth. We must also, listen, be completely open and sincere in all of our personal relationships. It's absolutely necessary for proper spiritual growth. In writing to some new Christians, look at what Peter said. Let's go right quick to 1 Peter chapter number 2, verses 1 and 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2. Are y'all still with me? Everybody say armed for battle. Now, again, I just showed you that there are things that have happened in the spirit realm. You can't affect change in the spirit realm with the natural order of things. God has given us the ability to do the power of prayer, praying in the spirit to affect change in the spirit realm. In other words, if you notice when we read in the book of Daniel, the angel says from the very moment you prayed it, we heard you. Now, why was that? Because Daniel, when you study his life, and we're going to do a study on the book of Daniel uh, here, here in, in the fall uh, from the pulpit. But I want you to notice Daniel's life. Daniel was a man of integrity and honor. He was honest. Everybody say honest. Uh, I get this, 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 this Bible app that I have. It's called, um, I forgot the name of it, but it gives me a word for the day. And I, you know, I, like, I like learning stuff, Okay. And the word for the day uh, on yesterday, I think it was, it was, no, the day before yesterday was honest. It means marked by truth and sincerity and integrity, free from deceit or untruthfulness. And the scripture it gave says from Zechariah 8, 16 and 17, it says, these are the things that you should, shall do. Speak the truth to one another. God telling his people that. Why does he have to tell his people to speak the truth to one another? It's because his people will lie to each other. That's why Paul oftentimes said in his letters to the churches, put away lying. 
I got to tell you something. If you are in any type of relationship, whether it's employee, employer, parent, child, husband, wife relationship, church member to church member relationship. If you can't speak the truth and be honest with people, your relationship is not healthy. I know you should be saying, well, you know, yeah, I just know how she is. And then if I say that, it's going to hurt her feelings. She'll go in the, in, in, in the closet and she ain't going to come out and talk to me no more. Listen, your relationship is not healthy and it's not honest if you can't speak truth. Can I come over here? Some of y'all married to people who you can't speak truth to. Y'all married and you can't speak, you can't be honest. Well, you can, but you're afraid of the blowback for being honest. Why did that hit the way that hit? (laughs) Guys, listen to me. Honesty. Listen, here's what God said in Zechariah. He says, these are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. I do not devise evil in your hearts against. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another and love no false oath. For all these things I hate, declares the Lord. So you're going to lie because your friend told you to lie. Hey, dog. Hey, dog. Hey, listen. Tell my wife that I was over to your house. Okay, I got, I got you. I got you covered. If you as a Christian do that, Christian man and or Christian woman. I got to ask you, where is your faith? Where's your integrity? Honesty means we got to be truthful. He says the thing he says, speak the truth to one another. Render your gates judgment that are true and make for peace. And here's the thought. He says The thought for that, for that day was be honest in all aspects of your life, including your dealings with others, your relationship with God and your inner thoughts and motivations. You got to be honest. Sometimes you got to say, God, I'm mad. Because guess what? He already knows it. Do y'all remember when Moses was talking to God? Moses, who's called a friend of God, said, God, these people are driving me crazy. God, just take me out of here. I'm tired of fooling with them. But God came in and comforted Moses. Because he was a friend of God. Now, listen, I told you on last week, it's okay to ask God questions and not question God. And there's a difference, okay? All right, so, so we got to make sure. It says, th- th- be honest in all aspects, including your dealings with others, your relationship with God, and your inner thoughts and motivations. Seek to be truthful and sincere, even when difficult, and hold yourself to a high standard of integrity. Everybody say, honesty is, is, is good. Now, watch this. I told y'all to go to 1 Peter 2. Y'all thought I forgot, didn't you? 1 Peter, chapter number 2. Let's start at verse number 1. Everybody say, arm for battle. Because we got to be equipped. Spiritual warfare is a very real thing. Like we saw with Daniel. It's real. But the average Christian has no clue and no understanding. And we think it's people. We think it's the other folks, we think it's the person, the job that's unfair to us. And it's, it's the enemy uh, who's trying to disrupt what God wants to do in our life. Every last one of us in here who are born again believer, who's a, who's a born again believer, God has purpose for your life. He has purpose for all of our lives. But if you are his child, he wants to use you to advance his kingdom agenda. And if he can get you to be disrupted off course and not properly equipped and armed for battle, you're not girded up with the, Lord, the girl of truth. You lie quite a bit. Then now you are unprotected. I told you on last week, part of your covering is, is when we walk under scriptural authority. So in other words, what does it mean to walk under scriptural authority? In other words, I adjust my life to what the word of God says about a certain issue. I, what's, my, what's my admonishment to this church body all the time? There are going to be times when your feelings aren't in line with God's word. So, so in order to, to, to discipline yourselves, you have to make the conscious decision, I'm going to be obedient to the word of God, the revealed word of God, 
and I'm going to allow my feelings to catch up with my obedience. God told you to pray for those who despitefully use you. And somebody just despitefully used you last week. But instead of talking about them all week and complaining about them and throwing out over social media, hint, hint. Do what the word says. Pray for them. Yes, they, didn't, they not only use you, they despitefully use you. That means that adverb despitefully describes how they use you. And it, it was a use of you at a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a low level, just low down. And y'all ever deal with low down people before? Low down people need prayer too. As a matter of fact, that's why you need to pray for them because they need to be saved, a lot of them. But what I got to do as a believer, if I'm going to engage in spiritual warfare, I cannot allow my feelings to usurp God's word. I got to I got to search the scripture, find out what the word of God says about the issue. And then I line my actions up with the word and my feelings got to catch up because here's what I discovered. The more you're obedient, the more your feelings begin to line up. But you got to be obedient. Everybody said be obedient. If you're willing and obedient, the Bible says you'll eat the good of the land. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all what? Deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind. Now here we have the Apostle Peter. Think about, think about the, the, uh, the compromising nature of this, if you will. Y'all know Peter, right? Do y'all remember him when he was young in the faith? Do y'all remember this is the very same Peter who challenged Jesus when Jesus says, I, I, I got to go to the cross I'm going to be crucified. Peter was the one up and no, telling the Lord what he wasn't going to do. And what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Peter. No. He said what? Get thee behind me who? Satan. That very same Peter is saying, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all what? How many of y'all have been speaking unkind about people? This is real. Now, now listen, you got to decide whether or not you're going to be a Bible person or you're going to be a person who, who lives by your own thoughts and feelings. Am I going to be a, a word person or am I going to... And when I'm a word person, that means I'm operating under the authority of the one who wrote it. And it wasn't the men, it was the Holy Ghost who gave men the inspiration to pen the Holy Scriptures. So I got to decide, am I going to be biblical or am I going to be like, I, like, like, like the hometown I'm from? Or am I going to be like the, the Jones, the Smith, the Reagan family, the whoever family, and we handle stuff this way? Because again, I told you before, a lot of the things that we have in adulthood can be traced back to our families of origin and we handle stuff the way we saw it handled. Even though many times we said, I'm not going to do it that way. We caught a lot of stuff because we live in the same house as mom and daddy. All right, so the good stuff we want to keep, the bad stuff we want to do what? Kick it to the curb. So get rid of all evil behavior, be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all all unkind speech. Next verse, let's go. Like newborn babies, you must crave Pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. I am cry out for this what? As newborn babies, the KW said, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. A full experience of salvation. I'm convinced that many Christians are saved going to heaven if they die, but they're not really engaged in spiritual warfare. They're really not living the full uh, the Christian life at its fullest uh, uh, capacity because we're not craving the milk of the word. Cry out for this nourishment. Verse three, just for good measure. Now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. How many of y'all have tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Anybody? Any of y'all have tasted his goodness? It's, it's kind of like me when, when good barbecue. But once I found good barbecue. Now, I, I have not. Had, I've had some ribs, 
but I have not had good ribs in a long time. So, Marera, can I cheat one day? Once you find good ribs, just the old run-of-the-mill barbecue won't do. And I literally, I literally, I literally try to find, I, I'll, I'll try different places, but in the Shreveport, Bossier area, I have not really found what I call good baby back ribs. I know some of y'all eat ribs, you're like, oh, this, this is the real deal. I tried them, but it ain't the real deal. <laughs> because when you've had what I've had, the good stuff, you know when it ain't quite measuring up. And when you've tasted the goodness of God, big stuff won't do. When you see the move of God in your life, when you saw how he made a way out of no way, when you saw him turn a midnight in the day, you will not substitute that for anything. Now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. All right, can we get back? Guys, above all, we must be absolutely open and honest in our dealings with God himself. It's essential for receiving spiritual revelation. Some people can't receive spiritual revelation because they have lying spirit in them. When I say that, you're not honest. You're not even honest with yourself and with God. You'll fool yourself into thinking that you're okay with God and God, and you're not. Because your vertical relationship with God cannot be right when your horizontal relationship with people is all out of whack. You try to be all right with God, pray, but then, then you got unforgiveness in your heart toward people. That does not equate. Not from the Bible. I read, Jesus was very clear about if you don't forgive others, your sins will not be forgiven. So you got to do something with that. You can't just skip over it because you're mad at Kenny Douglas. Because you say he didn't cut your yard right. <laughs> Ken does a great job. He's been cutting, you've been cutting church yard for I don't know how many years. I, li- listen, I don't have to worry about it. When y'all drive up on this church property, this yard going to be cut and the flower bed's going to be weeded. That's the first thing you see when you drive up, right? And to me, it says something about who we are. Right? So I, I don't even worry about it. I mean, I just know he's going to get it done. It's not even in my mind. All right? I know the guy who does our flower bed, he's going to weed it. He, he does it regularly. All right? Ken, I don't know how we got off on that, but if somebody's talking about you, <laughs> tell them to come see me, okay? <laughs> but my point is, guys, we got we to gotta, we gotta be honest with ourselves and where we are. Listen to what Scripture says. Look at what the, the psalmist David said in Psalms 51 and 6. Um, if you can get that up, Jay, pop it up right. 1 and 6. So the girl of truth. The girl of truth. How many of us are exposed in spiritual warfare because we won't be honest? How many of us are uncovered because we haven't made a conscious decision that I'm going to speak the truth in love. That I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be open to God talking to me about me. See, we're, we're very good at, at, at pointing out to how God is talking about somebody else, but you got to be open to what God is saying to you. I have to be open to what God is saying to Doyle or Adam Sr. about Doyle or Adam Sr. Yes, I go to him to give a message to to give out to the people, but I have to spend time letting him speak to me about me. Let's, uh, look at what the text said. The psalmist said, this is da- now this is David, guys. To put some context on this, this is David after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. This is David after he had failed royal. And, and I, I, I think I got off track, but I was getting ready to say something here about Peter. And then look at David here. See, sometimes we look at people where they are right now. And we see them in their imperfection and their frailty and their fault. We see them in, 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 their, in their low point, in a low moment. And we make a judgment determination on them based off of that low moment, uh, where they are right now in their spiritual growth pattern. But we don't see where they are two years from now. 
we, we sit up and make judgments on people. And, 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 and if you had made a judgment on Peter, you would have thought Peter was no good. But then Peter, a man, was very instrumental. Even after he was called on the court by the Apostle Paul for being prejudiced, Paul called him out publicly when he was eating with the Gentiles and when the folks from the mother church came, the Jewish people came, he backed up and wouldn't, wouldn't associate with them. Paul called him out publicly. But later on, you see him doing magnificent work. See, here's the problem. Quit judging people at salvation, right? Because you don't know where they are on that spiritual growth curve. Some of y'all would have threw me away if you knew me early on in my Christian faith. Some of y'all would have threw you away. If everybody knew your frailty and your faults. But thank God he brought you from a mighty long ways. Thank God he cleaned you up. Thank God he turned you around. And now that attitude you had five years ago, God has transformed you. But somebody is still holding you to that attitude five years ago. They still look at you. Well, I remember when. All of us, all of us, if we're honest about it, got some remember when moments in our life, right? All right. No, 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 no. That's that's a little tepid to me. I need some strong, bold witnesses to say, Pastor, I thank God for where he's brought me from. God, I thank God that he cast my sins as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. Because you hadn't been where you are right now, always. Even when you were saved. God is, we, we, are, we are a work in progress. So quit throwing people away because they're not what you think they should be. They're not, I can tell you right now, I'm not what I should be. But I thank God I'm not what I used to be. And I give him glory that it's not where I'm going to be. Because God is still working on me. That song, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. When he gets through with me, faith, I'm going to come forth as what? Pure gold. But Richard, I'm not there yet. He's still working on me. But you desire, this is David, after having committed adultery with Bathsheba, after arranged the, the, the murder of Bathsheba's husband. This is David the man who's after God's own heart. Now, again, this is not excusing his behavior, but he repented of his sin. He's in this repentant mode in Psalm 51. It says, but you desire, go, 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 go back to verse one. Come on, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Verse one, if you will, watch this. And, and, and I'm stopping on this, okay? Have mercy on me, O God. How many of y'all, that's your testimony right now. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. How many of y'all have ever done something since you've been saved? You're like, God, clean it up. God, just blot it out. And thank God for the blood that washes away all my sins. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Why is it that we try to kill folks who mess up and and, then we want God to clean us up? Oh, my goodness. I keep reading. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Verse three, for I recognize my rebellion. Some of of you got to start recognizing your rebellion, your sin for state that you're in, because if you're not, you're going to be uncovered in this spiritual warfare. You allow the enemy to come in and mess, mess you up because you haven't admitted that. Hey, listen, I'm in rebellion. If I recognize my rebellion, it haunts me day and night. You ever did anything that you said, God, if I could go back in time, I would go back in time and make a different decision. All of us have those, right? Let me see the hand. Everybody got a decision that you said, I wish I could have that back. I know I do. I got several of them. If I recognize my rebellion, it haunts me what? Day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. 
you will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. Watch the text here. It says, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment for my, my mother conceived me. Verse six, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Let's go to verse seven just for good measure. Watch this. Purify me from my sins and I will be what? Clean. Wash me and I'll be what? Whiter than snow. Verse number eight, let's go. It says, oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me what? Rejoice. Come on, let's keep going. They said, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Thank you, Jesus. Creating me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal or right spirit within me. I got to stop there. The girl of truth. We got to gird ourselves with the truth, which means that we got to be honest with ourselves, honest with God, and honest with other people. Don't stay in a backslidden, rebellious state. Don't stay in a state where you are out of the will of God because of your pride, your ego, your whatever. Here's the beauty of it is, of it all. God loves you in spite of you and my failures. He loves us and desires a close relationship with us. If we'll repent and turn to him, he'll forgive us and he will wash our sins away. But the girdle of truth is crucial, it's paramount in order for us to engage in spiritual warfare because if we're not operating in truth, we are uncovered in a very key area. Amen. We're uncovered in a very key area. And the enemy knows exactly how to punch us right where we're uncovered. Armed for battle. We got one done today. And we're going to number two next week. But here's what I want you to do. Listen to me carefully. I, listen, I know this This is a problem in the church. Honesty. Being truthful about where we stand, where our sins are. And if we're not honest with God and we're not honest with people, we are subject to being destroyed by the enemy. Speak the truth in love. And don't let Dishonesty be a part of your walk with God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you and praise you.